0: Did you know that the biblical episode of the disciples attempting to stop children to have access to Jesus Christ in Matthew 19 that we read earlier is also a metaphor of a greater human problem? It's the typical problem of people acting like they are superior to others. And this was the attitude and conduct of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, who thought they were superior to whom, in some some of their own writings, referred to the average Hebrew person as the great unwashed. Their theology implied that people, for people to have a relationship with God, one had to get approval from them in order for it to be possible for people to have a relationship with God. Well, I've seen this kind of approach in my lifetime within some individuals. As a matter of fact, a major church headquartered in Rome teaches that the members must go through their priesthood to have favor and access to God. They teach that they must pray to dead saints to have access and approval from God. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 19, And see another teaching moment that the disciples didn't get because of their selfishness and their carnality. Matthew chapter... Actually, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18 here. We read this earlier, but we will read it one more time. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, "'Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?' And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, unless you are converted, so that's the first thing, you have to be converted. Your mind has to have the seed of the Spirit of God. That's when conversion takes place. And until you were baptized and received the laying on of hands and have that seed implanted in your mind, you are not converted. So the first thing that has to happen, he says, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned into the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Again, Jesus proclaims that we must become converted and have some spiritual characteristics of a little child to enter the kingdom of God. And this is so different than what we see in human history. Remember, they're having an argument about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And when you look at human history, throughout history, what do you see? Going back to the earliest civilizations, here's usually what happens. People gather together together, Someone, usually because they're physically larger or they have a large family, assumes control. They become, quote, the leader. Then they go ahead and they give special goodies to their relatives or their friends, and they become their supporters. So they give them that very special treatment, and they support the king or the queen, And then interestingly enough, you usually have a parallel type of religion forming at that time, and what happens there? Well, early religions said that the king was God. That reinforced his position. And later on, when we thought we became more sophisticated in medieval Europe, then we said, oh no, but the king is there because God wants him to be there. So, So it changed, it evolved from the king being God to the king being appointed by God. And in contrast to all the things that human beings try to do to govern ourselves, and they're all dysfunctional, including democracies. It's just a word a little less dysfunctional than all other forms of government. All human governments ultimately fail. And Jesus was trying to introduce to them a totally new concept of what leadership is. Something brand new that has never been tried on earth to this day. Not in human organizations, not in governments, not in churches. What Jesus Christ is teaching here has never been tried on earth. He proclaims that we must be converted and have some spiritual characteristics in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does he mean when he says converted and become like little children? He means we have the quality of humility. Again, you find that in such rare supply today in our world. Simplicity is being converted and being like a little children. Life doesn't have to be as complicated as many of us make it. We create our own anxiety over silly little things that we allow our minds to take something this big and blow it up into this big. Then we get anxiety over it, then we get fearful, then we get angry, then we get frustrated, and we forget what Paul talked about. He talked about and emphasized what he called the simplicity that is in Christ. And that's what we need to have. Being converted and becoming like a little child means being teachable, not thinking we're all-knowing, not thinking we're so smart, because we're not as smart as we'd like to think we are, frankly. Having a zest for life and its opportunities. That's a characteristic of a converted mind. Looking up to our spiritual father for guidance. Again, not thinking that we can do it all ourselves. Or not thinking we don't need God. Or we can figure anything out all by ourselves. We can't. Being converted and becoming like little children means playing nice with others. That includes the person who lives next door. That includes the person we work with. That includes the person that enters our church building. Learning to play nice with others and learning to get over petty offenses rather than allowing them to fester and talking about things that happened 20, 30 years ago. As a pastor, I am stunned at how many people comment to me reliving hurts and pains from 20, 30 years ago. Jesus Christ has a message for you. Get over it. That's what the whole purpose of the Passover is. If God can look at our life as vile and sinful as we are, and if he can get over it, which he has upon our repentance, then we should be able to get over it with someone who said or heard us five minutes ago or five years ago or 15 or 50 years ago. Having a sense of innocence, not corrupted by the world. You look in Genesis. How long did, it's always remarkable to me, Adam and Eve, the only, it's just them in the garden and their little reptile friend, <laughs> right? And then they sin, and suddenly they're ashamed of their nakedness. Where did that come from? I'm a married person. I'm not ashamed of my nakedness. I'm not ashamed of my wife's nakedness. But they were ashamed of their nakedness with no one to see them, but perhaps their little reptile friend butterflies and bees maybe, or whatever was buzzing around. But that's how quickly they lost their innocence. That's the metaphor, that's the message there. How quickly their mindset changed from being childlike and innocent to now feeling filled with shame and guilt because they were doing what normal men and women, husbands and wives do, they're naked. And it just always amazes me how quickly that's set into the human race. You know, a little child learning to walk, they fall. Oftentimes they fall very hard, but they get up again after falling down hard. They don't give up. They might cry a few minutes, but you know what? Pretty soon they're trying to make that next step all over again, even if they fell down hard. Whereas adults, we complain, we whine, We blame God sometimes for our problems, rather than where our problems really lie. And if you want to know where your problems really lie, all you need to do is take a good look in the mirror. You'll see the cause of most of your problems. Don't blame Satan. Don't blame God, because he doesn't hear our prayers. Most of our problems are due to our own decisions and the things that we bring on ourselves. Children, when they fall down hard, they get up again and they try. How about us, brethren? God wants us to be childlike. He doesn't want us to be childish adults. In God's church, we love our little children. We have a nursery. We have a playroom for them here. We have YEP activities like we had today. We have family worship. And by the way, it's okay if they make a little noise during family worship. The little noise a child makes is nowhere near as distracting as an adult's cell phone, it goes off. <laughs> or their tablet, or they didn't turn the tablet volume down and it blares in the congregation. So let's not worry about if a child goes, eh! that's, that's nothing compared to what some adults do. So we love children. We want them to be, participate in our family worship. It's okay if they make some noise. Obviously, if they get out of hand, we encourage you to take them out to the social hall. Uh, well, Christ also draws an analogy here between a small physical child and one who is new and tender in the faith here that we just read in Matthew chapter 18. To warmly receive someone who is new in the faith, is to personally receive Jesus Christ. When someone walks through that door for the very first week, to warmly receive them, without judging, but just caring for them and showing them that you genuinely care and that they found a home, when we do that, we are receiving Jesus Christ. We are pleasing Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at... um, I'm trying to cut some of this down so I don't take up too much time today. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12. To give you a little context, recently in the context of where this is at, Jesus had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And now we're going to see that he's going to cleanse the temple. Do you know what cleansing the temple is a metaphor for? Let's read about this, Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 16. Then Jesus went into the temple and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats and those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind man and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna, which means, Oh, save, oh, Savior, save me, oh, Savior. That's what Hosanna means. Oh, save. It's an exclamation of adoration. saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Again, this is the chief priest and the scribes who were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? And he's quoting from Psalm chapter 8 and verse 2. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise i'm going to read this verse 16 from the new international version do you hear what the lips do you hear what these children are saying they asked him yes replied jesus have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise i want to give you the metaphor there's a metaphor behind a very powerful one you know who controlled the temple one of the most corrupt groups of people ever to be on earth, the Sadducees. They were an aristocratic class of priests who were usually in league with the Romans. Often the high priest were due to bribery. You became high priest because you paid off someone. There was nepotism. It would be, well, I'll be the high priest this year and my son-in-law will be next year and the year after that will be my uncle. There was incredible corruption within the temple service due to the Sadducees. And the metaphor is is that Jesus is saying, I am going to clean out the Sadducees from this temple. I am going to cleanse this temple. And that's what it's all about, overturning tables and the money changers and people who are selling doves. That's what that's about. That was part of the Sadducees' system of raising money. As I say, they were corrupt. So this is a prophecy and it's a metaphor. And you know what, exactly what Jesus said happened. Within 40 years, the Romans came in in 70 AD, they destroyed the temple. Every one of the Sadducees lost their job. The whole class, the whole tribe of what you would call Sadducees were eliminated and gone forever. And Jesus was prophesying that by this metaphor. And who, what kind of people were going to replace the Sadducees in the temple of God? What kind of people were going to become the temple of God? Well, I think we just read it, didn't we? Let me read it again. Verse 15. It says, but when the chief priest and the scribe saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out. You see, those who are converted, those who have the characteristics of a little child, those are the ones praising Jesus Christ. Those are the ones who were destined to replace the arist aristocracy of the Sadducees and what did these children cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. That's what these little children, even infants, cried that name out. Notice it isn't the jaded faithless adults who are praising God, it's the children, it's the infants who are offering praise. The hard-hearted and corrupted Sadducees and scribes feel threatened by the praise Jesus is receiving. They're threatened by his healings. They're threatened by the fact that he's loved by the people. He's a threat to their status and to their preeminence. All right, one final scripture. If you'll turn with me, we'll just take a look at one final scripture, and I apologize for... Truncating this sermon, but I don't want to take it on too long. We've had a wonderful day and a wonderful ceremony, and I just don't think I would have a whole lot to add. So, as our final scripture, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. He says, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, therefore, Be imitators of God as dear children. Can we appreciate what it's like to have the spiritual attitude of a little child? Humble, meek, not in your face, not loud, not aggressive, not pushing their way or their ideas, not expecting everything to be the way they want it to be, but being humble and meek? Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or uncovetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. That is unacceptable behavior, Paul says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. That's what a converted mind does. It is thankful more than anything else. And a converted person's prayers and mind are focused on the blessings and the things God has given them. It's not focused on what else I need or someone done me wrong or I'm hurt, or I'm offended. It's being thankful for the things that we do have. Verse 5, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And then verse 7, Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness. And before we were called and God opened our minds and took the blinders off our minds, we did some pretty terrible things, didn't we? We lived lifestyles and had attitudes and thoughts that were very shameful, not very productive. But we're called to a different light now, as he says, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what what is acceptable to the Lord and God's Spirit will reveal that to us. If we're humble, if we're meek, then God's Spirit will coach us and work with us and help us along the way to overcome those things. So brethren, it's a wonderful thing to have a spiritually childlike mindset, converted, humble, developing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing to have the title children of God. This means we're in a special relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. Let's remember the absolute importance of becoming deeply converted. Not just in some shallow way, but deeply converted. And if we're deeply converted, it is reflected in every area of our life. Let's focus on that and become more spiritual, more like spiritual little children, including some of the characteristics we discussed today. Well, I hope you found the ceremony we had to be very rich and meaningful for you. Hope it brought back some thoughts on things that we can do as individuals to improve ourselves, to change our approach and attitudes in life and to become converted, and to become as little children. Have a wonderful Sabbath.